Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been putting together over the last while where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and other people's takes about the whole world of investing. Uh, Hopefully you can take away some nuggets of information and insights and bring them back to your own personal investing decision. And ultimately, this is all about you helping you make better investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina. I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And what I do as an investment coach, in case you've never heard of it, an investment coach before, is, is ultimately I'm trying to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem that most people have uh, on the road to becoming financially independent, and especially as it comes to uh, interfacing with this whole investing concept, is that people often feel intimidated, frustrated, and confused by the whole investing process. Uh, they either don't know where to start if they're new to investing, or they've been in, you know, investing for a long time but just aren't getting any, making any progress with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people. I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and, and achieve it with confidence. So today, uh, today I want to talk about basketball. Um, it's an investing blog, uh, investing podcast, talking about basketball. Right now, um, as folks know, as some of you probably know, my regular listeners, I, you know, I live in Toronto. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and right now we're knee deep into the playoffs, and we're actually all kind of hardcore into the finals are going on right now. The Raptors are taking on the Golden State Warriors. It's almost like David and Goliath, and so uh, all things are kind of wired in my little universe are wired toward uh, the court, the hard court. So. I thought it would be, I uh, wanted to talk, I've kind of had this um, podcast kind of on the table for a, a while, and I, I was actually going to do this uh, during March Madness, um, but uh, I just didn't get a chance to, and the fact that the Raptors are still in the playoffs and in the finals and are like pretty much uh, into it, uh, I thought, hey, this is a good time maybe to dust this puppy off and uh, talk about it. I thought it's a really great, interesting perspective about investing and how it uh, uses basketball to tie into some really key takeaways with respect to uh, how to figure out this whole investing thing concept. So it's really driven by uh, a blog post uh, that was written by this investing wealth management group actually in Houston called Kruger and Catalano. They wrote a post called Twos Are Now Underestimated, the Mike and Drill for Stocks. So I don't know if about you, but um, the game of basketball has really changed. It's it's a totally different game now than literally what it was maybe five years ago. It's definitely a totally different game than when I grew up. Um, when I first got into basketball. Like I go back, my earliest basketball experiences and you know memories are are the years of uh, Dr. J and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Um, that was my first kind of like you know, foray into basketball. And the way basketball is play, was played then compared to the way it's played now is just, it's dramatic to see what the changes are. You know, back in the day, and I'm you know, like, hey, I'm dating myself, so whatever. Um, you know, my favorite player wasn't Bird or Magic or uh, Dr. J. My favorite player at the time was Kevin McHale. And if you 
go see some of his footage. He was probably, in my mind, one of the best low post players, uh, you know, I thought in the game. And I really tried to, you know, when I played basketball, I tried to do a lot of what he did. And he's, you know, just post up to the back of the basket, couple of head fakes, couple of little moves, and, you know, take low, you know, shots that are, you know, around the key and near the basket. Um, high percentage shot. He had, you know, he constantly year after year led the league in like shooting percentage, and it's because most of his shots were were close to the basket. Um, it's interesting that that style of game just doesn't exist anymore. It's it's all about three point shots. It's all about perimeter games. It's all about you know even if you're driving to the hoop, you're not thinking about scoring near the hoop. You're thinking about kicking it out to somebody who's parked outside of the three point line and to hit it, and. It's interesting how the evolution of basketball has come aboard, and in a way, it's, there's some interesting uh, parallels to how investing has evolved, and in, in some of the things that are going on with uh, within, with the you know themes and trends with investing um, that are going on now. So, where am I going with this? Well, if you go back to the history of basketball, a lot of times, the way you were coached and the way basketball worked was that you'd think the closer you are to the basket, the easier the shot you're going to have and the higher probability that you're going to make that shot, that your shots are going to go in the basket. That's how basketball has always, you know, been taught and been played. Um, you know, you want to get your best shots. Or the closer you get to the basket, the better the chance you are you're going to score. The goal of basketball is to score baskets. And so the closer you are to the basket, the better chance you're going to score lots of baskets and beat the other team. That's kind of the traditional, I guess, uh, approach to it. And if you go really, really back into the early days of basketball, I'm talking about, you know, I guess the 50s and 60s, um, there was a player called, uh, you know, basketball aficionados will know him, George Mikan. He was probably considered to be, you know, before there was Jordan, before there was Bird, before there was LeBron, um, there was George Mikan. And this guy was like the epitome of the nerdlinger, wore glasses, um, chubby in a way, not the most athletic person, very clumsy, um, but he was, back in the day, one of the premier um, basketball players out there. And he, his style of game was really, because of his clumsy nature, he wasn't very athletic, was to essentially park himself and stay as close to the basket as possible and just try to be really accurate in making shots. So he was about layups. He was about taking small little shot, jump shots, um, reverse layups. And he was really, really good. He practiced so hard. As I said, this guy was not a very athletic. He was told, like, don't even bother playing basketball. But he loved the game so much, and he really wanted to play basketball. And so he practiced. He harnessed his craft. And he practiced these drills um, involving shooting the ball, close range, um, laying the ball up, making layups from both sides, left hand, right hand layups, reverse layups, under the basket layups, small little jump shots, post ups and stuff like that. And he got really, really good at it. In a way he's almost like, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the 10,000 hours guys, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. That kind of you know evolution for him. And he got so good and he was dominating the NBA so much that they actually had to change the rules of the game to kind of deter him from kind of running away and taking over the game. And they called it the Mikan rules, quote unquote. So where am I going with this? Well, that's, you know, most of the time basketball has been about just taking two-point shots. 
what's happened now is we've seen a complete 180, a flip-flop now in terms of the philosophy with respect to scoring. And it revolves around this whole three-point concept, the three-point line. You know, there's, what's happened is analytics has, you know, permeated itself into all sports and basketball is no exception. And so the analytics folks, you know, poured through all kinds of data in terms of shot selection, where the shots are coming from, where the best percentage shots, what's the best risk return ratio. And they determined, the analytics have determined, and that's the way the, the, way the game is played right now, is that you're better off shooting three-point shots than if you're gonna shoot the ball, shoot the ball for three instead of two. And there's a whole bunch of analytics behind it showing the risk-reward ratio that you're better off shooting a three or a two. Basically now, people are, players are being coached now to drive the hoop and not necessarily go up and take the shot close range. They're told to kick out. And now you're seeing people play more perimeter. You're not seeing a lot of inside, you know, inside of games. The type of game that Kevin McHale used to play, um, you don't see that anymore. You just don't see people posting up and making low percent, like high percentage shots closer to the basket. Um, <clears throat> Analytics has deemed it to be okay. And the thing about it, here's the reality, and this is the thing I think that frustrates me with about basketball, and this is probably making me an old fart, is that um, if you're shooting the ball from the three-point line, that's a harder shot. You're shooting the ball farther away from the basket. So your chances of making that shot consistently is really hard. And actually the analytics show that if you're shooting 33% at least from the three-point line, you're actually you're doing really well. And it's almost like the same as baseball, where the baseball analogy is that if you get a base hit three times out of 10, um, that's pretty good, which means being wrong seven times out of 10 is actually a good thing. And to me, it's one of the strange, um, weird things about sports and statistics and, and things like that. So up until you know recently, the two-pointer has been considered to be the high percentage shot, the more appropriate shot. But the analytics now have said, no, you need to shoot from far away. You need to forget about the inside game, go out to three points. Um, so what they, what's happened is now the whole George Mikan philosophy of sh close range shots is pretty much getting pitched. And teams and players, and if you're just watching the Raptors and Golden State play, like they are just living on the three-point line. You hardly see that inside game. So, um, how does this make? Okay, yeah, this is an investing podcast, not a basketball podcast. So, what's we're seeing? It's interesting because this blog that I, this blog post is kind of tying this evolution from the Mikan philosophy to this three-point philosophy is very similar to how investing has evolved. Investing, if you look at traditional investing, traditional investing has been you know has a certain Mikan. Um, philosophy in that, you know, up until maybe the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, the phlo investing philosophy is you buy stocks and you buy stocks that pay dividends. And so that's what the, this blog post is saying, that the Mike and drill, the Mike and philosophy uh, of investing it has been to buy stocks and buy, it's been about stock selection, buy quality stocks that pay dividends. It's the equivalent of your low, uh, high percentage, close to the basket, two-point shot. But now what we're seeing is we've seen a shift. Again, the analytics now coming into play and saying, you know what? The buying stocks and, div uh, stocks and just buying individual stocks, period, 
is bad analytics. You need to go and just take a much more index-oriented or passive approach and just buy the whole index. And so today's three-point, if you're, you know, show what the equivalent of a three-point shot is today in investing, the three-point shot right now would be index investing, buying ETFs. Um, that's your three-point investing uh, of the day. And so the blog kind of did a really nice job um, showing this link, and I find that really fascinating and really interesting. Um, it then goes another step further and talks about this whole concept of trends and how trends, um, and it, I think it feeds into a lot of the first level, second level thinking, because um, when people follow trends, like we you know what the latest investing trend, like investing in cannabis stocks or investing in like Bitcoin, what happens is these trends emerge because they're inefficient and because there are only a few people that are aware of a certain methodology and an ideology and are able to make a lot of profit from it. And then obviously when something becomes very popular and successful, other people want to jump on the bandwagon. And soon along you kind of get this herd mentality, um, you know, like kind of the penguins lining up and more and more people. The problem is, as more and more people enter, try to get in on this supposed successful strategy, that, that those uh, extraordinary gains from that strategy start getting eroded. It's basic economics, right? Com competitive nature of economic, you know, uh, economics. Um, and so the article argues that just like the prevalent, the permanence uh, from a, like now everybody's just shooting three-point shots in basketball, everybody's shooting, buying ETFs, and just, you know, just passively investing, just getting it on the market. And his argument is that ultimately these trends tend to get eroded tend to get watered down and ultimately will lead you to mediocre returns. And so that's the kind of other thing you got to kind of watch out for is my takeaway really uh, what I got out of it is you know following the trends might be a lucrative thing in the short term but eventually these trendy kind of things tend to peter out. So The other takeaway that I got from, from the article was, is just the whole concept of having, to me, the mic and drill, the mic and philosophy or strategy is a strategy. And, and I think that's a key element to being a successful investor is that you need to have a strategy and you need to stick to it. If you look at what George Mikan did, he said, you know what, my philosophy for how I'm going to be a good basketball player is I'm going to try and make high percentage shots close to the basket. That's my best chance because that is in alignment with my skill set. Uh, I'm not the most athletic person out there. I'm, I'd rather be the most accurate person and, re and rely on my finesse uh, instead of my physical presence. And so he to adopt a philosophy and he adopted an ideology that I am going to be the best, um, best basketball player to shoot high, you know, to shoot baskets near the basket. And so what he did, he practiced. He engaged over and over, hard, you know, uh, tried, got better and better and better. And until eventually he put in the hours and the work and the effort and obviously it paid off. He became one of the top basketball players uh, in the NBA because he had an ideology and he had a strategy and he stuck to it. And I don't think, and, and 
that I found that really amazing because in a way that's what investing is all about too. Investing is all about developing a strategy, developing your own Mikan philosophy and then practicing and then practicing and then sticking with it through thick and thin. And so what I want to share with you is it's really important that you should, I think all of us should have a Mikan strategy. Um, in this article, they talked about their Mikan strategy being buying stocks that pay dividends. Because to them, that's a low risk, high return, stable, consistent um, strategy that, that's comfortable, that they're comfortable with. It's in alignment with their values and their, their personal uh, approach. For me, my Mikan strategy is probably more about just buying quality companies. My, I feel like if I'm buying quality businesses, well-run, well-managed businesses that generate high returns on invested capital, um, that's my mic and drill. And so I've, that's what I've been doing over the last 20 years is that's been my investing ideology and, and that's what I practice. And I've been practicing that over and over and over again. So the takeaway is Develop your own Mikan strategy. Is to, as an investor, if you want to really get good at this, you need to figure out what your Mikan strategy is. You need to pick a strategy, an ideology, an investing ideology, and you need to practice it, and you need to engage in it all the time. And that's what I do as an investment coach. Is I really, ultimately, that's what I do. And I just realized what I do is I help people figure out their Mikan strategy. I help people figure out their investing path, and then I help them practice it, get better at it, and I help them engage in it. Because ultimately, if you're doing these three elements, these are the three core competencies of successful investors. So, funny how a simple game of basketball can be extrapolated to have some incredible uh, investing themes and some investing takeaways. So I just wanted to share that with you. I'm going to post the link of this to this blog post. Give it a read. It's a bit of a long read, but really fascinating. It's a great historical perspective on the game of basketball too. So um, if you're not interested in investing, you want a really cool uh, article about basketball, go for it. Um, excellent article and uh, the folks here at Kruger and Catalano really did a spot on job on that. So I thought I'd share with you because I'm kind of in basketball mood and uh, I thought, hey, this is great. I can tie in basketball and investing into the same, into sa into the same uh, uh, episode. So that's all I got for you. Go Raptors, go. Um, if you have any questions about this, you want to talk a little bit about, hey, you know what? Figure out what your mic and strategy is, um, what your mic and drill is, um, give me a shout. Um, you can find me on my website, www.sageinvestors.ca. You can hit me through an email there if you have some questions about this episode or any of my other blog posts or podcasts. If you have any questions about my uh, courses that I teach, my online courses and my in-person courses, uh, you can hit me through there, a lot of information on my website. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. My handle is at Sage Investors. If you, I'm on there posting all my thoughts and takes about what's going on in the market and decisions I'm making, as well as uh, other people's decisions, other people's content, because there's a lot of really great content out there. I get a lot of my information now from, from Twitter now, the more than uh, traditional investing uh, sources. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram. My handle is uh, Sage Investors Nation. I post all my uh, blog, uh, podcasts, blogs, videos, links through there too. You can find me through there. If you're interested also, I also send out uh, an email blast every Wednesday morning 
I call it, what do I call it, in the loop. And I share with you like updates on new content that I'm posting on my website, as well as some interesting articles that I'm reading from other people that I find they're helping me frame my own investment decisions. So if you really want to kind of get in the loop and get some insight and perspective, some people who I think are really wired into the whole investing thing, you know, feel free to drop, uh, drop your email on my website and uh, you'll get on the list. So that's all I got for you. Go Raptors, go. Thank you very much for listening in. If you, yeah, thanks a lot for listening in. I'm gonna go watch the game now. <laughs> thanks very much for listening in. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors. And hey, we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye. Go Raptors, go.